Come on, Watch Bar. Man. Thank you, Bubba. Anybody glad they chose to come out today? Man. I tell you, man, I, I, I could have gone on and on, but I, I do feel like uh, that God has given me a specific word for today. Um, any, anybody um, tired? Anybody feeling overwhelmed? Anybody feeling exhausted? Anybody say, PK, you name any of those and any more of the adjectives that are associated with that, and I'm all of those and everywhere in between. Amen. Tired, exhausted. And, and, and you ever seen the, that look on that new dad or mom's face of exhaustion? Come on. The look of being overwhelmed. You know, that, that look of, man, I'm just praying. My, my, most of my prayers are focused on, please, God, let this baby nap so I can have five minutes to myself. <laughs> Prayer, tired, tired. I mean, we're going in nine different directions. Uh, got one kid at soccer practice. Got to have him over here. Got another kid you got to have at karate. You've got this kid you got to do that, and you're running around, and you're just praying, man, I, 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 well, I'd like to eat healthy, but it looks like it's another McDonald's night. Let's just go through and just get whatever because you're tired. tired. Come on, anybody. Anybody relate? You're tired, overwhelmed. Maybe it's your finances that's got you tired and overwhelmed. You dread, you, maybe it's you dread going to the mailbox because you don't know if there's going to be something in there telling you that, hey, past due, past due, one, you got another, or if you don't pay, it's going to be turned off. You're going to lose your house, going to lose your car. And we're tired, we're drained. And how many, you, we find there's more months than there is money. And we're tired, tired. One of the statistics I read this week, according to the National Highway Tra Traffic Safety Administration, Drowsy driving is believed to be the cause of at least 100,000 crashes a year. 43% of Americans admit that they're too tired to even function properly at work. Tired. President and CEO of the National Safety Council, Deborah Herman, says when we're tired, we can put ourselves and others at risk. We hope Americans recognize that impairment stems not just from alcohol and drugs, but lack of restorative rest, restorative rest. If this 15% of Americans report not waking up even uh, one day a week feeling tired or poorly rested. They don't even have one day a week where they wake up and feeling, you know, that they're not tired or poorly rested. 15%. 40% say they have once or two times a week that they do wake up feeling rested. 38% maybe four days a week. And that's physical tiredness. But what about the other tiredness, emotional tiredness, spiritual tiredness, things that drive? I'm talking about tired of struggling financially, living paycheck to paycheck. I'm talking about uh, tired single moms that are tired because they're having to do it all. I'm, I'm talking about tired married moms that are tired because they feel like they have to do it all. Tired. 
I'm talking about tired men that, that get up, they, they go to work, they're trying to do the right thing and provide for their family, but they're tired because they're having to take on second jobs, third jobs. Tired, talking about that tired teenager that doesn't feel like they can do anything right. The tired parent that feels like they failed because their kid has seemingly lost their minds. Come on. People are tired. What about people that are tired of just putting on a happy face when inside they're dying? People tired of wearing a mask, but they continue to wear a mask because they're afraid that if people really knew who they were, they wouldn't be accepted in that crowd anymore. But they're still tired of wearing a mask. Come on. Last week, I felt like I preached what was a timely message about fear. And how, yeah, we should listen to the CDC. We should take every precaution when it comes to that. And that if, if it took a, a, a pandemic to cause you to wash your hands after you go to the bathroom, you've got more problems than <laughs> what we're dealing with here. But at the same time, we should not allow fear to govern our lives. <laughs> should not allow fear to tell me. Because here's what I'm convinced of. People are going to go where they want to go. Come on. But I'm just going to stay home. This, you know, I'm not. My dad used to have a favorite saying. Listen, he said, when I'd ask people, why weren't you at church? He said, they'd give me excuses. He said, listen, why don't you just tell me you were out of peanut butter? Because one excuse is just as good as the other. (laughs) But we're tired. And we talked about not allowing fear. And now, well, over the past week, it's been taken up another level. You know, our president has declared a national emergency, sporting it. Come on. And then the, the stuff really hit the fan when they canceled March Madness. Just blew my brackets right out the window. But on a good note, this is the first year in a very long time that I can say that Tennessee was undefeated in the SEC tournament. <laughs> and then Sean texts uh, uh, my son-in-law this week. He's afraid that they're going to cancel WrestleMania. <laughs> but, I mean, we, we've jumped into this, and so... Hospitals like uh, where my mother-in-law is at the nursing home, not allowing visitors. UT, not allowing visitors in. Uh, We've got all concerts being canceled, schools shut down. And and so that just adds to the stress of being feeling overwhelmed and tired. Anybody tired of being tired? Or the old saying, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Maybe that would be more apt. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Matthew 10, Jesus is talking to his disciples uh, about how things, hey, once I'm gone, where I'm sending you, he's talking to them about what's going to happen to them. And one thing I love about Jesus, he doesn't pull any punches. He pretty much lays it out there. This is what's going to be. In Matthew 10, he tells them this in verse 16. He said, hey, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. In that first same verse, he says, 
what will happen to me? What will happen to you? You're going to be handed over to local officials where they will beat you and imprison you. And then he says, and all this is going to be done to you because of me. Because of me. Well, if I'm a disciple, I'm like, well, the best way out of this is just disassociate myself from him. Can I tell you this? Yeah, the Christian walk, we do have trouble. Yeah, in the Christian walk, we will be overwhelmed. We will feel, feel tired. But guess what? Also, those that aren't followers of Jesus, they feel that way too. I've just got something that I can hang on to. Or are you following me? Well, then Jesus even adds to it. He's talking to him. He says, in verse 22 of chapter 10, he says, you're going to be hated by everybody because of me. I, come on. If I'm trying to give my team a pump-up speech, this is not it. Guys, you're going to be hated by everybody. You're going to be beaten because of me. Go get them. I mean, if it's me, I'm like, hey, guys, listen, here's what's going on. You are going to pray. You're going to do miracles. You're, how many of those things did happen? But Jesus is trying to prepare them because he knew the toll this world life can have on you, can make you feel overwhelmed. It can beat you down, make you feel tired and exhausted and feel like giving up. Come on, can anybody relate? He, get, he continues in verse 28, he says, Hey, don't be afraid of those who kill the body, but be afraid of those that can kill the soul. Come on, how many's like, uh, I'm more concerned with those that can kill this body right now. And again, Jesus knew. He lays out some hard things for this young man, after, uh, these young men, and after that, in verse 38, he says this, And whoever doesn't take up their cross and follow me, you're not worthy of me. That's, that's, that's some hard stuff. That's one of the things I love about Jesus is, hey, here, here it is. Here it is. And the, these guys, see, when we, when we envision disciples, we're envisioning these 34 year old men. But when you study, there was only one of these disciples that was at least 20 years old, and that was Peter. The rest of them were somewhere between 15 to 19 years old. And Jesus is laying these things out for these young men. Well, during all of this, when Jesus is doing this, John the Baptist, y'all know who John the Baptist is? He's in prison. And, and, and John the Baptist hears about everything that Jesus has been teaching. He hears about the miracles that is going on. But it's fair to say when you read this, John is not in a good place. He's in prison. He's tired. He's overwhelmed. And he hears about Jesus and he says, he sends his disciples and says, go ask him this. Are you the one we've been waiting for? Or should we look somewhere else? Now, here's what you, you got to understand. That before John asked this question, John experienced some supernatural things with Jesus. Jesus shows up one day while John's baptizing people. 
He says, baptize. John's like, no, no, man, I, I should be baptized by you. And Jesus says, no, you, you, you baptized me. And John baptized him. And this is what happens in Matthew 3, verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. John was there. And yet exhaustion, being tired, has got him to a point where he's saying, are you the one or should we look elsewhere? Anybody ever been there? You've experienced the move of God. You've experienced his presence. But you find yourself on the brink of exhaustion with life hitting you. And you're like, God, where are you? What's going on? Do I need to go somewhere else? Do I need to, do I need to move? Do I, what, what do I need to do? And he's tired and he sends that question back. And Jesus simply sends this message back to him in verse 4 and 5. He said, tells us, he says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are being cleansed. The deaf are their ears are opening. The dead are being raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Do you know what I love most about Jesus' response? That Jesus didn't say, are you kidding me? After what John's experienced and us being related, he has the audacity to question who I am if I'm real. Jesus doesn't say that at all. He says, just report back to him. This is what's happening. In fact, he goes another step. Once John's disciples leave and go back, he turns to the people he's talking to, and he says, there has never been anyone born of woman greater than John the Baptist. This, after John questioned who Jesus was. I just believe Jesus knew. And this life is going to... You're going to have moments when you're exhausted. You're going to have moments when you're tired. You've been fighting and there is no more fight in you. You are overwhelmed. You are worn out. And Jesus also knew his disciples would find themselves in those moments. He knew 2,000 years later, people that are following him, doing their best to serve him, would find themselves just mentally, emotionally, physically drained and exhausted. And after all that happens, he looks at the people and says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. After they see this, he says, so what's the solution? Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Uh, uh, the King James says, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Jesus tells his disciples and those that are following, he says, listen, life with me is not going to be easy. It's not going to be a cakewalk. It's going to be draining at times. It's going to be tiresome. It's going to be overwhelming. But then he looks at them and gives them this invitation, come to me. Come to me. See, Jesus knew this truth. And there's not a lot of notes today because, man, I'm telling you, I'm just like, 
And I wanted, I, honestly, I wanted to be more. I'm looking, where can I make notes? And I felt like God said, just give them what I'm telling you. Jesus knew this. When you're tired, where and who you run to matters. When you're feeling exhausted, when you're feeling burdened down, when you're tired, when you want to give in and call it quits, where and who you run to, where and who you go to matters. And that's why Jesus said, come to me. When you're feeling that way, come to me. Yes, life can be demanding when you're following me. Life can be draining. But life without me is even worse. And so Jesus, when you're tired, when you're overwhelmed, when you're worn out, come to me. So many times, guys, when we get tired, we get overwhelmed. You know what we run to? Isolation. We isolate ourselves. And we take ourselves out and away from the very people that could pour and speak life back into us. It's funny to me, and I, I've done this too, so I, I can talk about it, I feel. But there have been times when, man, life has hit me, and the very first place and people I eliminated from my life was my church family. I shut them out. I isolated them. And a lot of times that's where we'll run is to, to isolation. But I think maybe even worse than that is sometimes we'll run to people that will just agree with our misery and increase it with us. Because we want somebody to cry together with. We want somebody that will see, I know why you're feeling that way. Yeah, yeah, it, life does suck. Come with me. Get it. Let's, let's, come on. Woo-hoo, let's ride this train together. And here's what I've learned. It is impossible to find rest and peace when you're in the wrong place around the wrong people. You will not find rest. You will not find peace when you're in the wrong place around the wrong people. It won't happen. This is one of the reasons that I believe having a church family is vital to your growth. It's vital. Listen, I, I know the, the, the craze right now. I know the thing right now is, hey, let, let's, let us and six others, let's just meet at home and, and, and let's do that. Great. You know what my question to that is? Why don't you do that on Friday night and then come together with your family on Sunday? Yeah. And you don't want to get me started there. But I believe being part of a church family is vital to your growth. In our men's group, in our Tuesday night men's group, and my Wednesday morning discipleship group, in Denise's, uh, the Bible studies that she has twice throughout the week. Man, there's those moments, and then the, uh, the uh, which we'll be starting back up in August, um, Healing for Damaged Emotions, and then our Celebrate Recovery. Those groups are vital. Why? Because we, we develop relationships there where we hold each other accountable. That's, that's Big Dave right there. I wore him out yesterday at the men's breakfast. And he knew it was coming, so he wore his steel toe boots. Where, where you been the past couple weeks, Dave? Uh, you know, my back hurt. I said, I don't believe one word of that. I know you too well. Dave goes, yeah, you do know it. You know it. 
And, and I know somebody will say, well, Kel, that's hard. No, I, I've got that kind of relationship with him. And you know what? I can't get that relationship with him if I don't spend time with him. And I think it's vital where you put yourself and who you put yourself with and, and where you go when you're tired or overwhelmed. Je Jesus says, if you're weary, if you're burdened, if you're tired, exhausted, come to me. I'll give you rest. Then the second thing Jesus says is this, which sounds kind of crazy. Take my yoke upon you. Anybody else thinking, I've got enough to deal with on my own. I've got enough weight on my own. And you want me to take your weight, Jesus? But though you don't understand what Jesus is saying when he says, take my yoke upon you. See, see, coming to church, I'll pass right over this. And this is a great point. Coming to church with your church family is not passive. It, it's not a passive activity. It's an active pursuit of God. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Here's a problem with the thinking uh, that, well, my yoke, come on, God. I'm not carrying enough. We don't know what it is. Most of it, take my yoke upon you. See, some of y'all thought it's the, I was talking about the inside of an egg. Come on. You can dye that blonde hair, but it doesn't change what's underneath. No. <laughs> little humor, little humor. Take my yoke. Here's what a yoke is. It's that board between two ox or two cows that goes on the, and that loops around and comes under the neck, and it's used to, for them to, to together pull a cart. Or, or plow a field. So, so if, you've, if you've got enough weight to bear on your own, why would we want to accept the invitation of Jesus to take his yoke? See, those listening on, they knew what a yoke was used for. And a lot of times what farmers would do, they'd take that yoke and they would pair a younger, weaker ox with a more experienced, stronger ox. To keep that younger one. When that younger one is wanting to just take off in a different direction, guess what? When it's yoked to him, it's inseparable. It can't go anywhere. Except where the stronger one wants it to go. When the stronger one wants it to turn, it's got to turn. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Why? So, when I, so you'll know which way to go. And if I, if I want to turn right, you'll know I want you to turn right. If I want you to stay going straight, you'll know that. Plus, here's what the yoke also did. It cut the weight in half. So now you're not having to carry the weight on your own. You've got a much stronger one that is actually bearing more than half your weight. So when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's not trying to throw stuff. He said, listen, it's light. It'll help you. He says, when you're tired, man, take my yoke upon you. Come to Jesus. See, where you run to matters. And secondly, who you're connected to matters. Or who you stay connected to matters. And that's where that yoke comes in. And it becomes inseparable. And you stay connected to Jesus. When you want to, when life is hard, when life is beating you down and all you want to do is run, if you're yoked to Jesus, guess what? 
You can't get very far. You can't get very far. He says, take my yoke upon you. Maybe it's no wonder we can't find rest or peace because we, us followers of Jesus, keep separating ourselves from Jesus. We keep disconnecting ourselves from Jesus, thinking we know more how to rest than he does. We know more about the road we should be on than he does. I know he's saying turn right here, but straight looks a lot easier and better. And what happens, we disconnect ourselves from him and we're not moving in the direction he's moving. We're not moving at the speed he's moving. And in the process, we grow more and more overwhelmed. And we wonder why the load is so heavy. It's because we've become unyoked. And we've taken his yoke off because we felt like life would be easier without him. Here's a good question. Who or what are you yoked to today? Who or what? To the addict. They might say, well, they're yoked to those pills, a prescription, heroin, meth. To the alcoholic, they might say they were yoked to that bottle. And the truth is, we like to point fingers at that, but a lot of us are yoked to things that are just as dangerous and deadly to us. Some of you are trying to figure out the best way to say this, because this is not in my notes. And if I put it at sea, that's why I write things down, because if I think about them, I figure out the best way to say them so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> Some of us get yoked to this idea of our concept about God, and it keeps us from actually making the connection with God. Because of something in our past, something a church did, a pastor did or said. And now it is completely distorted the way we see God. And we're yoked to that idea because in that, how many know when you get hurt by something or someone, you get yoked to that idea and that feeling about them? Come on. Don't say it's not true because you cannot see somebody for years and then at Walmart you see them at the end of the row and then you say, no, no, I'm going to go down this row. Why? Because you're still yoked to that feeling, that hurt, that idea of what they said or did to you. What are you yoked to? Some of you are yoked to your addiction or your sin or, or your habit or whatever it is. Why? Because that's where you get your identity. Who am I without these things? Who, who am I if I'm not, you know, limping with this? That's the way they know me. That's why they know who I am. And there's some of you, you're yoked to an identity. Oh, man, this is so stinking good. I hope you hear this. Some of you are yoked to an identity that you were given years ago 
by someone, by society, by a mother, by a father, by, by someone you got into a relationship with, and it has now determined, and you're yoked to that identity instead of yoked to the identity God wants to give you. And you wonder why you're tired. You're tired because you haven't taken his yoke upon you. Can I be, I'm, I'm going to be, well, I usually, I don't even know why I ask. There are days I'm not yoked to Jesus. There are days I, I, I disconnect myself from Jesus. I, that days that I'm not moving as he moves in the direction or speed that he's moving. I, I mean, there are those days. There, there are those days that I'm yoked to myself and what Kelly wants. Come on. My desires. What, thinking, I can get through this if I just work hard enough. If I just do more. If I pray harder. If I read more of the Bible, then I'll get through this. And I'm yoked to my work instead of what God wants to do. Don't think you're alone. I mean, the Bible is full of people that struggle with being weary and worn out. One of my favorite people in the Bible, uh, King David, he had several of these moments. Psalm 63, 1, look what he says. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole body longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. God, he said, I feel like I'm in a desert. There's no water. And I am so dry. I can't see you. I can't feel you. That's the way I feel. Most theologians think that David wrote this psalm while he was in the wilderness of Judah uh, running from his own son, Absalom. Another place David is running, from his, running for his life from Saul. He's tired. And, and here's the thing. David knew the calling upon his life. He knew he was supposed to be king. But Saul was there. Saul was king. And he knows, I'm, God has already told me I'm going to be king. Can I tell you this? Just You can know that God has spoken something into your life. You can have somebody give you a word, but that's still, I'm telling you, that you can still find yourself in a, in a place of doubt and questioning and being tired. And, and, and so he's on a run from, from Saul. He's tired. He's exhausted. And he has this conversation with God. See if you can relate to this. Psalms 13. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? David says, have you forgotten about me, God? Uh, where are you? I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm exhausted. I pray and I pray, but it's like it's just hitting a ceiling and bouncing back down. Can anybody relate in here? Maybe verse 2 is a more accurate description. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long must I wrestle with these thoughts? How long must I wrestle with this addiction? How long must I wrestle with this sin, God? How long must I wrestle with this marriage? How long must I wrestle with these thoughts that things would be a lot easier if I just wasn't here? 
how long must I wrestle with the thought of if I just had the guts to end it, things would be better for everybody else. How long must I wrestle with these thoughts? How long must I wrestle with the thoughts of I know I deserve whatever I'm getting? How, must long, how long must I wrestle with the thoughts of God doesn't even care about me or what's going on in my life? Or why would God love me after everything I've done? How long must I wrestle with the thoughts of is God even real? Because if God was real and he loved me, he would have healed so-and-so of that cancer. My baby wouldn't have died if he, if he was real and he loved me. I wouldn't be going through this right now if he was real. How long must I rest? Can I tell you these are thoughts I wrestle with? I look at my dad, the godliest man I ever knew. Developed cancer. And I'm praying. I'm believe, I mean, I'm believing we're going to see a healing. The church is praying here. Our church in Atlanta is praying there. And then my dad passes. My God, what's the, what's the deal? If you're real, if, if you really love me, you, love, you, would, you would not allow this to happen. And we wrestle. And David says, how long must I wrestle with these thoughts? How long will my enemy triumph over me? God, how long is it? Come on. Anybody be, how long is it going to keep knocking me down? How long is it going to keep kicking my butt? How long am I going to keep waking up day in and out, day in and out with that giant hollering at me? And this is one of the things I love about David. His honesty with God about how he's feeling. Because I know, come on, I grew up in the era where you dare not question God. You dare not get mad at God. You hold those in. And the more I thought about it, I was like, if God knows what I'm thinking already, I think it's better if I just get it out and verbalize it. Because here's what you need to know. God's big enough to handle your questions. God's big enough to handle your doubts. God is big enough to handle your concerns. And I love David, man. He just lays it out. And, and, and he almost gets kind of demanding in verse 3. He says, look on me and answer. Lord, my God, give light to my eyes or I'm going to sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. David's like, God, if you don't do something, God, if you don't intervene, then here's what. Just let me die in my sleep. Because I'm tired. Tired of running. Tired of being weary. Tired of being exhausted. And I honestly don't know how much further or longer I can do this. And I don't want you to raise your hand, but I have to wonder how many in here this morning, that's how you feel. God, if you don't do something, just let me die in my sleep. God, if you don't take this from me, just let it die in my sleep. And that's where David is mentally, emotionally, spiritual, spiritually. But after that, I want you to see where David finds himself. And why Jesus, 2,000 years later, would say, Come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. After all that David says to him, David says this, But I 
trust in your unfailing love. God, I've got all these questions, and I am really tired, and I'm really exhausted, but I trust in your unfailing love, and my heart rejoices in your salvation. David says, yes, this is how I'm feeling, but something that's overriding all of that is your unfailing love, your reckless love. And if this is the path that I must be on right now, I don't like it. And I think I've made it clear, God, but also I trust in your unfailing love. I trust. Now I love what David does next after the. He doesn't just stop there and say, I trust, but he says, So I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Sometimes when you're tired and you're exhausted and you're walking through, Sometimes the best thing you can do is begin to remember how he showed up in the past. How good he was in the past. And if he did it then, why can't he do it now? And David says, so I'm going to sing. I know people look, people are looking on me. They, they say, David, how are you singing? You know what's going on. I'm still going to sing. Why? Because I trust in his unfailing love. And I know how good he has been to me. And David, in a dark place, overwhelmed, begins to sing and remind himself how good God has been. You know what I love again about this? Not one time does God respond with, Really, David? You're questioning me? Really, David, you're mad and kind of demanding that I answer you? None of that. None of that. Jesus said, come, take my yoke upon you. You'll find rest. And I'm going to end with this. If I can get Bob or Bob to come out. I want to read to you Matthew 11, 28 through 30. But I want to read it to you from the message version. Because I believe this is going to speak to some of you. In fact, Father, I just pray. That as we begin to read these verses, God, that you would tear down walls. You would tear down mindsets. God, people that come in here putting on a mask, feeling strong, God, that you would allow that mask to come off and them say, God, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, and I'm ready to come to you. That's what I pray right now. Jesus says this in Matthew 11, 28, 30. Are you tired, worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And he says this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I know there's people in here that are tired. I know it. I don't even have to ask. I know there are people in here that are exhausted, and you're burned out. So the question is this. 
How will you respond to Jesus' invitation? Come to me. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Come to me. See, I know in the South, we confuse religion with relationship. When people ask me, what, what about that, you know, what religion are you at? I'm not, I, I have a relationship with Jesus. Because see, religion, you want to spell religion? Spell it D-O. Do this, do that, do this, do that, then you'll be accepted. You want to spell a relationship with Christ? D-O-N-E. Done. Done. He's done the work. All I have to do is say, God, here I am. I receive your grace. I receive your mercy. I receive your rest. He said, come to me, all you who are weary. Are you burned out on religion? Come and let me show you what a relationship looks like. Are you burned out on this life and what's been hitting you from every side? Come, let me give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and where you'll be inseparable from me, where I can show you the pace you need to walk at, the speed you need to go, where the turns you need to make. Take it up on me. Stand with me across this room.